All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate it. Hope life is great wherever you are. This is Matt Javitt, uh, half of the traveling couple, along with Nikki Javitt. Again, we are a couple that traveled for 27 months around the world. Now we're back in the States and we're continuing to share the things that we went through along our journey in the hopes that we can help you with your journey. This particular episode is part two of a three-part series where I am talking to and in a conversational interview aspect of style where Shane and his wife are planning and hoping to travel in the coming months, eight to 10 months away, but they want to travel the world for about a year. And in this, in this conversation, we dig in deeper on some of the things that they're thinking about and worried about and things that Nikki and I lived through. And, and we hope to share that. Some of the things are the security on the road, how to handle safety concerns, packing tips, and then tour guides. How do we maximize the use of tour guides? So we're going to dig into those topics on this episode with Shane. Again, this is the stuff I love. I, I love talking travel. I love understanding what people might be worried about. And, and, and so they can, if they're attempting to make a journey like this, or they're just thinking about that first big trip to a foreign location, just to helping them get over those anxieties, because it's always going to be kind of a cluster when you get there. But as the more you do it, and the more you expose yourself, you're going to understand like this, how just amazing the world can be. And all those experiences that you're seeing out there, you have a chance to bring those home. And it's going to be just going to change the way that you see uh, the places that you live at home. So hopefully enjoy this episode. If you're just getting caught up to who we are, again, PassportJoy.com has all the information you need. That's that's our personal website for everything that we went to, went through, and the things that are important to us. You'll see all the show notes on the different episodes. So if you're thinking about going to Budapest or, or Amsterdam, you'll see all the stuff that we list out there. Um, the Journey So Far tab lists out all the countries and the, and the dates that we went there during our 27-month adventure. So you can go there for the easy list. All right? Ways to support us. We appreciate all the support that we can get um, just to, really just to keep the podcast going because it costs money, right? Nikki's book, Passport Joy Reflections on Life, Love, and Other Stuff While Traveling the World is available on Amazon. Please check that out. If you read it and you like it, please give her a review. That really helps. Um, the World Barbershop Adventure Series continues. We've got 21 episodes around the world. The 22nd one, Lexington, Kentucky, will be up hopefully by the time you hear this. That's the newest one. Check that out. Um, I'm going to continue to do not only U.S., but as we travel, I'm going to let the beard and hair grow out a little bit if we d- decide to take a trip somewhere um, foreign, and I'm going to get, continue to get haircuts around the world. So check that series out. The I guess the, the star of the show right now is the Tokyo episode, has a ton of views, and it's getting passed around a lot. So check out that series. Another way to support us is our partners page. You go to PassportJoy.com slash partners, and I've got all the different partners that we used on the road listed out. Trusted House Sitters, Skyscan. Express VPN, a great way to, to look into the uh, the VPN to keep not only keep safe and secure in cafes and restaurants around the world or even at home, but it's a, you can also use it to see all the content. If you got Netflix or Amazon, it's a great way to plug into the VPN and, and, and it makes you look like you're in the States, but you might be in a foreign country and then you can still get all that content that you want to get. All right. Again, that's passportjoy.com slash partners. By using those links, you're giving us a, a small kickback as an affiliate to those. We're, we're basically partnering with those companies. These are all brands that we use 
but this is our way of, of getting a slight kickback on there as well. All right. And um, as always, subscribe, rate, and review. Give us a, a good rating. If you go to iTunes, man, I'd really appreciate that. Or not at many, not as many people give the Apple Podcasts as we hope, but Apple Podcast reviews as we hope. But um, if you get a little bit of time, you go through that. Because I know a lot of people don't even use that those apps to listen to podcasts. I know I don't. But if you do, just take a little time, go over there, fill out a, a little review. That really helps us a, a bunch. All right. And if you want to get an email that's about every week on Thursday. Go to passportjoy.com, put your email address in there, press go. It's free. And I, I give um, travel insight tips, hacks, things that we're going through, things that are coming up for us and just fun stuff. And if you're if you're listening to this and you're in the Indianapolis area and you want to do a cool, fun meetup, I just established a meetup as we returned. Our first meeting is going to be in August. And the idea of the meetup, it's called, if you search, it's called I Love Traveling. And it's an Indianapolis-based meetup where my hope and my plan is just to bring people together that love to travel, that want to talk about travel, talk about the destinations they want to go to, maybe, and then help those that are hoping to go to places that you have been to that you can give advice for um, if they're planning out their trip. So my hope is just to bring a, a lot of people together that are like-minded and uh, appreciate this type of stuff in a room, share ideas, and everybody walk out with a little bit of value on um, something they've learned that they can help them on their next trip. If you live in, in or near Indianapolis or if you're traveling through, please watch for that. Again, our first meetup is going to be on August the 20th at night. And that's a great way to, to connect there. All right. That is it. I hope you enjoy this part two of a three-part series with Shane and um, a great conversation of some of his things that he's thinking about before they make their big trip. And that kind of segs into what the next part that I wanted to ask you about is uh, the safety of the travel. Did you guys ever feel unsafe in some places versus others? I'm sure you did. But, you know, how did you handle safety concerns? And I'm sure you got more savvy as you travel. But, you know, when we talked earlier, you mentioned places like India being, you know, are there some advice? I guess what I'm trying to ask is, some places you uh, an experienced traveler would do better. Some places are for beginners, like maybe Japan. Can you talk about safety in that kind of a little bit? To your point, there's some places where if you've never left America, or if you're listening to this in, in Canada or England, if, if you've never left places in the Western world, and you probably don't want your very first trip to be to India or some of these more exotic, much more different places than your home country. Uh, you probably want to start slow, make sure that you can handle bits of travel. And then as, as you grow as a traveler and, and you have some sort of expertise, then you can expand out and do, do more adventurous travel. That would be my advice. Some people just jump all in and get exposure to those other places. But for me, as far as a comfort level and, and security and things like that, just to, just to feel comfortable and, and not be afraid to be in those local environments and talk to people. Cause we got better and better and more savvy as we went along. We got, we had a chance to just not be afraid to open up deep conversations with people and 
get invited into their home and things like that. But as far as different locations around the world, I think it varies because what's funny is, is coming home to America, you understand that America can be very dangerous depending upon where you live and a place you visit in America. It can be extremely dangerous as well. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of people that come to America and are, are very fearful. But traveling the world, I guess... Uh, so I'm lucky. I'm 6'6", 230 pounds. I, I'm a pretty big guy. So I, we, not that that doesn't stop you from, from having harm come your way, but it definitely it deters it in some way. But at the same time, I do stick out no matter where we are um, traveling the world. But for us, for Nikki and I, it was always about always staying, uh, I guess, in the moment when people typically tend to let their guard down that's when you have to be very cautious. When you're in the mode of traveling, whether you're on a bus or you're in the airport making that connection, the things where people can be preoccupied, you want to have your head on the swivel. You want to just, just be aware of what's around you. Um, for a lot of reasons, it's, it's great because maybe you can see somebody that you want to talk to, but it's more of like, just be aware of who's around you. What are they doing? Um, what are they eyeing? Don't have all your stuff laid out as far as invitation for people to steal things. But always just kind of being aware of who and what's around you. And for Nikki and I, we had some code words that we would use that if we felt somebody that was intimidating in our area, we would use like, we would use words like, um, hey, be on yellow, uh, be on orange. Uh, yellow means like, hey, just use caution. Orange is like, Matt, I've, I feel like there's a danger here. So just be able to use code words between us in a very fast way that we knew that so I could pop up quickly and say, okay, what's going on? Who is it? Or um, we, we were always really good at if one of us is looking at our phone, the other one is, is, has their head up and understands the environment. Because you don't want both people with their head in their phone. And if you're somebody that you're traveling alone and you do have to take that minute to understand where you are, you, you have to use Google Maps or something like that. It's great if you could put your back against a wall somewhere. If you can find a building and put your back against the wall and then look at your phone, you just want to just want to be able to, I guess, minimize the area that you have to focus on in case there's somebody coming at you that you have to answer a question to, if that makes sense. Oh, that does. Now, were, were you guys ever... A- a victim of anything, a theft or pickpockets or stuff like that? No, we never, we never had anything like that happen to us. We had, we were followed in India at one point for probably 12 to 15 minutes. I knew the guy was following us. And then I ended up just back up a little bit. We were in, we were in the middle of uh, India in a location where there's not that many tourists. And it was during Diwali, which is one of their biggest celebrations of the year. And part of that time I was interviewed on a news, I was interviewed on a local news uh, cast. Uh, Cause I, like I said, I, I stick out a bunch and we were also doing a, a, lot, a lot of selfies and taking a lot of photos and it was a great time. But during all that chaos and people being around us, there was one particular young man, he was probably 19 or 20. He was either enamored by us or he was trying to get something out of us. Mm-hmm. And he followed us for about 12 minutes to, and to the point where I, we kept a good 15 to 20 feet distance between the two of us. But then when I knew that it was no longer comfortable and I felt like it, it's been the, the length of time he needed to understand who we were and it was no longer a big deal, I, I grabbed a, a gentleman who I assumed didn't speak English, but I, I saw that his son was like 15. I knew typically the children speak English in some way. So I just asked the father if he spoke English. He said, no, but his kid did. And I just said, hey, buddy, can you tell your dad to tell this guy to leave us alone? When I did that, the gentleman very quickly yelled at the guy in the local language and the kid felt, got red-faced and left quickly. 
part of me felt bad because I didn't know what the kid's intent was. The other part of me was like, no, my wife's here. I'm, I've got to take I, I securities first. So doing things like that and finding locals. Um, I had another situation in Cambodia that was extremely awkward where uh, there was a drunk guy in a park, a very well-populated park, but he was following me and, and I was by myself walking that day and it was very intimidating. He had a long coat, coat on during warm weather and I couldn't tell what was in his hand. And then again, I grabbed a local and I just said, excuse me, do you speak English? And this gentleman happened to speak English. And I said, that guy is following me. Please help me. And I did it very quickly because this guy was following me close. And then that guy yelled at the other guy and he ended up getting, he was searching for police as well. And that guy, the guy that was following me went away rather quickly. So if you get locals that know that you're messing with their tourism, you're mess, the these people are messing with the way that as a tourist, we look at their country. Sure. The pride. They're gonna, yeah. They're going to step up rather quickly because um, for us as travelers, my biggest thing is always represent America the best way you can, just in case that one person you meet in small town Cambodia, if I'm the only American he ever meets or she ever meets, I want them to leave saying America must be awesome because Matt was awesome. And it's the same way with them. If they're living in small town India, they don't want um, their local, they don't want some bum in their neighborhood messing up the way that we think their town is. So everybody has pride in their local communities. And so you just gotta, you gotta find ways to, I guess, use that to your advantage to make sure that, that you feel secure in these places. That's great savvy tips though. Those are very savvy advice. That's very savvy advice for looking at your cell phone in teams or watching your back and then grabbing a local to talk. That, that's, that's some great advice. The funny thing, did you stand out in Japan in a good way? Did people want to take pictures with you? You know, did you find when you said they were, he maybe was enamored, like are some people just genuinely interested in you being a taller American, stuff like that? Yeah, it happened a ton in South America. I, I guess it, it happens more where the people are a little bit smaller. So uh, okay. in uh, South America, in particular Peru and Ecuador, took a ton of photos. They thought I was some sort of professional athlete, I think. And then India, yes, a lot of photos. And then Cambodia, the people are rather small in Cambodia and Vietnam, a lot of photos there. So yeah, I stuck out a bunch. Uh, Japan, I'm, I'm not sure. I think because of just their... And this doesn't mean these other places aren't polite, but I think the Japanese people are just extremely polite, extremely thoughtful that they, they might have thought that they were putting me out in some way. I definitely got a, a lot of smiles and, and head shakes, but not as many probably photos. Um, I was probably taking more selfies than they were taking of me because I always, I just love taking the photos with people, the locals, especially if they're in some sort of traditional attire. So I did that a bunch, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't as much in Japan as, as you might think. That's awesome though. That, that you make it sound fun. Yeah. You know, it's not all danger. You know, you have to be aware of your surroundings and you have to, you can't get too lackadaisical, but at the same time, you know, it is mostly fun and adventurous. And I think that is a fundamental difference though, in long-term adventurous travel versus a vacation in a resort where you're walled in on a resort and the wait staff brings you your drinks, which I, I have nothing against that. that. That certainly is fun. Or on a cruise ship where you go to these protected places. 
But I, I do think that if you're looking for something more of a cultural experience or a life experience, I think it's much, much, much harder to get that even by going on a four, you know, a quad experience or something like excursion. No, I agree. It is, you know, immersive. Yeah, Shane, I absolutely agree. And it's one of those things where I've done those. Everything you're describing, we did that before our journey. We stayed in in really nice resorts where you go there and you could really be anywhere in the world because you've got the blue ocean, you've got amazing cocktails, great workout facility, awesome bed to sleep in. And from the trip, when you fly in to get to the hotel, you might see a little bit of the outside world. But when you're on that resort, that's all you see. And it's a great experience. You come home and you're you're refreshed, you're rejuvenated, and you're ready to tackle that next quarter or six months of work. Um, I've, I've done that absolutely. And I just think that now that we've had the opportunity to do what we did, I'll definitely never travel the same. And I think that there, there could definitely be something gained by just getting outside of those resorts or the hotels just for a day. If you're traveling somewhere amazing and exotic for seven days, just plan a single day to get out of the resort and experience that local. It could be as easy as just talking to the, the staff within the hotel to say, hey, where do, where do locals eat? Where do you eat that's near here? Or where do you guys go to go to the beach? Or what's cool to see here outside of the resort? And just to have your eyes open and to get that exposure I think as people take gradual steps to do things like that, they'll begin to get closer to experiencing some authentic travel. And then uh, that, cause that's where my passion comes from, from all this is, is you get a chance to open your eyes and to new areas and new places around the world. You're going to want to continue to do it more and more. And it's going to, it's going to enrich the way you see the world, but also it's just the, then when you come home, it changes the way you live at home as well. That's great. So, okay. So something my wife wanted to uh, ask, and you know, this was an interest to her is like travel hacking or packing tips, because you did mention that you both took one backpack and that, that makes my wife very uh, fearful. And she doesn't know, you know, we've tried two bags, which basically that's what I do is I have a backpack for electronics and because I carry a, I like to carry a drone and a camera with me. Mm. And then I, I have, and you know, a laptop is in there somewhere or phones or chargers, all that stuff. And then the clothing and items of clothing. Do you have any tips? Like how did you manage besides the staying in the warmer climates? You know, do you have any tips on, you know, packing and traveling light or, or stuff like that, you know? Yeah, the uh, when it comes to electronics, that's tough. So we didn't have a drone. We didn't have high quality camera equipment. I did have my laptop. We had a microphone for the podcast and we had some electronics, but not a ton. And that can be both heavy and boxy and kind of big, right? So th- those, those are tough. But when it comes to like minimizing their clothing. So Nikki and I, we ended up going, and this was, again, this is like the 11 months leading up to it. And with our, with our research and our, and our plans, we decided to, to get some more high end, um, clothing that was going to be durable and last long. Basically I had cheap t-shirts that I knew that anywhere in the world, you can get a t-shirt for, for six or seven bucks. And a lot of times you want to get a local t-shirt anyway. So I knew that that was going to be cheap, but I knew that if I wanted to have good pants, so I, I, I ended up spending a little bit more on good travel pants. And now there's a ton of companies that make these awesome travel pants that are anywhere from hundred to 150 bucks, but um, they're worth it because I ended up wearing two, two of the travel pants I took. I wore them from the day we left until the day we got home. And now they're still in my closet and they got worn out a, a ton, 
but I took them on hikes all around the world and they kept me warm and they kept me cool. And they're, they're just, they're just high quality, awesome pants. And it's not something I probably would have ever purchased if I hadn't had this trip. And now I'm doubtful if I'll ever purchase any other type of pants because the versatility. So I would look at, okay, what are the things that, and, and the other part too is, is it does think that if you go through our Instagram photos of the two years, I'm wearing pretty much either one of three different shirts in a, in a lot of the good photos that can be, it, it does stink because I know that when people go on vacation, they want to look their best and they want to have different variety. Yeah. And a and photo then, that, you know, a photo memory they want yeah. to have. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that does stink. But I think that if you're doing an adventure that's kind of long-term travel and you got to minimize that, don't be afraid of having to repeat the outfits. And I'll tell you, it was kind of cool to never have to think about clothing, to know that I only got really one of five different types of outfits and I can, there's not that pressure of, okay, what am I going to wear today? It's really like, I'm going to wear these pants and this t-shirt. So, um, or, or a pair of shorts. So that was, that was the way we kept it down. We get like made two, two pairs of socks. For me, the thing that stinks, stinks with me is my feet are big. So that took up a lot of room in my bag is, is my big shoes. So between a uh, good pairs of underwears, long lasting underwear, good pants. And then I would take a, a coat. I had a, a nice Columbia coat because we knew we were going to be in weather down to about maybe 40 or 50 degrees. So it was important for us to have at least a coat. You know, I had a hoodie as well, but I would wear the coat on the long trips to travel. So then I would, I could take that out of the bag and have a little bit more in the bag. So it was basically kind of like, you're always shifting the bag around and then cubes. If you haven't ever used packing cubes, yes, those are awesome because that's the way that you can push things in the, in the cube. And then that opens up more Keeps separate. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone, yeah. We, we use that in Europe and, and it was, uh, effective in getting us more space or at least organizing the space more efficiently. Absolutely. Now, yep. did you ever take in certain areas, did you ever take tours? Like, would you book a travel tour in certain scenarios where it seemed maybe better to do so? Did you ever do that? Yeah, I think the high, highly populated locations that we looked out ahead and said, okay, we, we got to make sure that we do this the right way. We did that. Machu Picchu was one. We wanted to, we wanted to, um, uh, Wanu Picchu is the mountain that faces Machu Picchu. So we had to, we booked ahead on that about six or eight weeks to make sure that that was lined up because that was definitely on our bucket list. In Vatican City, we had a tour as well because we knew there was going to be high end traffic. But a lot of times we just took advantage of the free walking tours. So a lot of, especially when you talk about really almost everywhere in the world now, if you go on TripAdvisor, and you go under the things to do and you look under, they'll have like a either tours or walking tours. If you go in that area, they'll list out places, uh, uh, walking tours that are free. Now, it's always great to, to tip these people. Essentially, what you do is you find there's like a central location in the city. Everybody meets there. Somebody's the, the tour guys usually holding like a yellow umbrella or something. You go there, you meet there at 10 o'clock and they take you on amazing tours to their city for two and a half, three hours. And at the end of that, they tip, you tip them. And I'll tell you, we had amazing tours. When you're talking about like Tallinn, Estonia, our tour guide like had a PhD in history in Estonia. And, and when we were in Krakow, Poland and in Warsaw, Poland, just amazing tour guides that were highly educated, were from the area and passionate about it. And a lot of times they're students, they're, sometimes they're art students that just, um, this is a way to, to make extra money to get through school. And a lot of them, sometimes they're just, they're just locals that because of the, 
the currency, this is just a great way to make a lot of good money helping uh, tourists see their local. How land. would you find them? And, and how would you find some of these guys? Most of the time, if you start on TripAdvisor and you go on TripAdvisor, you go to the city that you're traveling to and you go under the things to do listing in the city, there's usually a tab for tour guides in there and it'll fall in there some way. And, and usually I would just scale down and find the one that fit what we were trying to do for that day, because there's going to be different types of tours um, in the city, depending upon the size of the city. And then, and then when it comes to using tour guides in general, I'm a huge fan of this. If you're on a vacation, because a lot of times if, if you want to go see a particular city and you're trying to do three or four different things to have that tour guide there is amazing because even if it costs you a little bit of money, they're going to save you a ton of time. So if, if you're tight on time, tour guides can save you a ton of time because they're going to help you skip the lines. They're going to help take out all the BS ideas that you think are fun, but aren't really fun. And they're going to, they're going to let you know like, okay, this is an awesome building that we should go see for maybe 12 minutes. And I can give you the history of it as we're about to get there. So you're not sitting there at the place for two hours and then leaving there like, wow, that, that we could have probably did that in 15 minutes. So the tour guides are great in that. And the fact that they can drive you places and show you great sites and you're going to spend a little bit of money on them, but they're going to save you a ton of time. Mm-hmm. And depend upon one, another travel tip or hack is if you're going to a certain city for a short period of time and you're looking for a tour guide, sometimes you can combine the two and they'll pick you up from the airport. And if you, if you can get them to pick you up at the airport, They've got a sign with your name on it. And so then you get in the car with them. You've got somebody that you've, you've talked to prior. You feel comfortable with them. You get in a car with them. And then now you're going to go see the sites. And it may be during that process, maybe you drop your bags off at your Airbnb or your hotel and you go see more sites or you keep your bags with them as you're seeing sites. Whatever you arrange in that way, having the tour guide pick you up from the airport can save you that Uber cost so if you're going to spend 15 bucks to get to your hotel anyway, you can just put that towards your, your tour guide. And so that's, that was a good way that we did a few times, whether it was like a short layover or sometimes if, if it's a country that you're just not so confident as you're arriving, that initial tour guide picking you up can make you feel really good. Now, vet them, make sure you vet them out. You go on TripAdvisor, you go on their website and you vet them out properly. You know that they're reputable and they're great people. But if you can do that and you land in that, that new city and you that first interaction was with somebody that's a local, they're great and they know their thing. Then as you're driving around to whether it's to drop your stuff off at the hotel, you're driving to that first restaurant, whatever it is. And they're, they're telling you like, hey, you want to go visit these places? This is a particular restaurant. I know, I know the owner. These are the things you want to do. Man, that is such a great way especially if you've got two or three days in a city and you're just trying to maximize it, that's a great way to do that. And you'd find these guys sometimes through TripAdvisor or did you ever use Airbnb sometimes offers things on the bottom? Yeah. Yeah. The the Airbnb experiences are getting bigger and bigger. We had a chance to leverage that towards the end of the trip. Same way to do a couple of tours. We did one in particular out of Tasmania. That was awesome. So yeah, just I, I would just... Really do your research. A lot of times on TripAdvisor, you can go to their website and okay. check out the website. You can look at the reviews and make sure that they're like they're le- legit reviews. Yeah. yeah, there's really two parts of the travel for us. We were it's sometimes we were extremely spontaneous and we went with the flow. But when it made sense to prep and prepare to minimize anxiety, that's my my biggest thing about travel is if you can just take out all the the anxiety, just so you can be 
you can feel as good and natural as you can when you get there. And you're like, you're kind of your true self. So when you meet somebody, they're not getting this guarded vision of who you are. And then, so you can, you're both seeing each other in a very open way and it's authentic. That's the best way. But if you're kind of guarded and you're like, what's this guy trying to do to me? Is he trying to take my money? You know what I mean? Cause I've had situations where we land in a city and we weren't prepared. And then we're, you're trying to get that first cab ride to the Airbnb. And that can be extremely, an extremely anxious situation because in some of these countries, particularly in Southeast Asia, they can be very aggressive. And when you're there and they're there, everybody's asking you if you need a ride. And it's because they don't make a lot of money in their local economies. And for them, that one single ride in that day might feed their family for the next four days. So they're not doing it with ill intentions. They're just like, hey, this guy's a traveler. I can help him get to where it wants to be. Do you need do you need a ride, buddy? Hey, do you need a ride, buddy? Hey, do you need a ride, buddy? And they're on you. <laughs> it's, and it's crazy. And it's yeah. chaotic. But And you're just like, dude, just can you back up? Can you just give me some space? And so that part of the process can be very anxious. It can be awesome and authentic and real. And, and it can be fun at times. But if you're doing it after seven hours of travel and you just want to get to your spot so you can get your stuff down and, and you can feel good, it can be a, kind of a bad process. So if you can take some of that out of it by coordinating effectively to have somebody pick you up, or if you just know because you've printed out the instructions in the, the local language and so that it's on a piece of paper, you don't, have to, you don't have to mess with your phone. You can just hand that to somebody and say, this is where I'm going and this is the route. I know the route. And, and you come across no, looking like you know exactly what you're doing. If you just prep all those things in advance, all the anxious stuff, then it's going to make your travel a whole lot better. That's great. Great tip. The only other things I wanted to really touch on were like some of those tour tips. And you know, when we were in uh, Versailles in, in France, you know, the big anxiety uh, in visiting such a high tourist area was the wait times and, and the hour long line that you'd have to wait just to buy tickets and then another hour just to get in and go through security. And we found out from a little bit of prep that if you bought this extra $10 tour that you skipped, we didn't wait not one minute in line. You know, we skipped all that anxiety of an hour in the hot sun for just to buy your tickets and then an hour to go through security. We skipped it all. We sat in an air conditioned room for five minutes and then we went on our own little tour and we went through all of Versailles. And I, I looked at my wife and I said, we didn't wait in line for a minute. I couldn't believe that $10 just, it, it was just the $10, you know, the, the, the King's apartment tour that we did got us access to everything. And we saved probably two hours of waiting, you know, just yeah. for something like that. So I like those little tips there because when you do only have a day or three days and into certain areas, you do want to maximize it. And Absolutely. I, you know, in, I, in, I, those, in those cases, your time is more, can be, especially when you're talking about 10 or 15, 20 hours, your time is more valuable than your money. And you want yeah. to maximize your time the best you can. Definitely. So that's good. That's good tips.
Okay, that is it for this episode. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. That's part two of this three-part series with the conversation with Shane. And hope you learn a lot about this. As if you're doing, thinking about doing some long-term traveling, uh, maybe Shane is helping you uh, think through this process and think about some of the questions you might have. I love these conversations. I really do. And this is the type of thing that whether I'm at a coffee shop with somebody or getting drinks, these are the, the conversations I love to have. And, and hopefully um, you're seeing value in it as well. As always, you can go to the passportjoy.com, check out the show notes from this and all the episodes. If, you, if any episode you think about going to Warsaw, Poland or Tokyo, Japan, whatever that is, put it in the search engine and at the passportjoy.com site, find the information you're looking for. I got so many links on this website uh, that's going to help you travel better and uh, hopefully it does that for you. Check out World Barbershop Adventures if you haven't already. It continues to grow, grow steam and the subscribers continue to, to increase. Grab Nikki's book, Passport Joy, Reflections on Life, Love, and Other Stuff While Traveling the World. Check that out. And um, that is it for now. Come back for the next episode next week uh, or whenever you're listening to this. It might be already be able, available to be downloaded. The part three of the conversation um, where we'll get into Shane's plans, his his travel plans. And we talk a little bit about over-tourism, how to, how to um, navigate that, and then also understanding other cultures on the road. So that's a, it's a fun combo, uh, and I'm really enjoying this. All right, hope you have a great day trip wherever you're planning next or just have fun planning the trip that's that's some of the funnest part the best part about even doing it all is is the idea of the adventure of finding out where you're going and then looking forward to going all right take care